0: Amen. Alright, so we're not doing a chapter a week for this week. We're doing half a chapter. Because last week we did half a chapter. This week we're going to do the other half of the chapter. And I've been saying it every week. It comes up every week, right? If we are going to have a banner for this whole thing, it would be, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, so honor God with your body. Right, And that is the context of talking in tongues. That is the context of love. That is the context of uh, spiritual gifts like prophecy and everything in other parts of 14 and 12. That is the root of which pastor should we follow? Should we follow Apollos? Should we follow Cephas? Should we follow Paul? All of that division and controversy it really does all come back to you are not your own you are bought so honor god with your body with all i mean in that context it was talking about sexual immorality and, and prostitution and all that business but it, it really counts it, it really does count in the bigger picture and, and it just keeps coming up so in that context first corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Any commentary? So you read that, and if you just read that, I, I used to have a friend, and uh, she was, you know, not a believer, and, and people would get married, and they'd go, you know, you go to the wedding, and the, the, what is the reading about women should be in submission to men, and, ah, you know, complain, 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 and it's like, gosh, if that's all you get of the scripture, I mean, just think, there's, there's a lot of people that are unbelievers, that the only bit they get of scripture is what they hear at weddings. And it's in the context of you're getting hitched to her, you're getting hitched to him, and you need to be in submission. Gosh, come on. There's got to be a lot more richness to it than that. And there is. You got to read it in context of the whole Bible. So we're going to make things worse. We're going to go to First 1 Timothy. And 1st Timothy chapter 2. Um, I, I, before we go there, what did you notice the very first thing I read? The very first part of 1st Corinthians fourteen thirty three. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So those are opposites. Order or disorder and peace are opposites. Okay, not order and disorder, but peace and disorder. Hold that in there. All right. First Timothy, chapter two, verse eight. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I did not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with propriety. So now this is Paul's, Paul's writing specifically to Timothy. The letter to the Corinthians, Paul wanted to be read widespread, read for everybody. The letter to Timothy, you know, it's not like Paul was keeping it a secret and I don't want you to read it. But it was directly addressing Timothy to train him in a certain way and to teach him in a certain way in the church that he was in. So let's get some background going on. Um, This really becomes more and more beautiful the more we dive into it. And it's really it's really a a rich thing. Um, First of all, we got to talk about how everybody sat in church. So when he talks about in all the churches, we have this rule that women don't talk in church all the men would sit on one side and all the women would sit on the other side. So that's arch- architectural structure. So the other structure they had, and uh, we've read it is that the head of a woman is man and the head of the man is Christ. And so there's a structure in the family that the man of the house is the house's teacher and priest. He's the spiritual authority in the house. And so if a wife had a question about God, she would not go to another woman and ask her because to ask another woman about these spiritual things, would who's that woman's head? That woman's head is her husband. And so that would be like, a woman asking another man's husband or another woman's husband to teach her and instruct her. And you can already kind of see how that's going to fall apart. Right. But then this is where it gets awesome. It was every man's responsibility to care for his wife and to be the spiritual teacher of his wife. And so with that pressure on a man, that, that's a pretty big deal, right? Um, you have to think, okay, this is a culture. There's no mass media. You can't just dial up a, a sermon and listen to it online. You can't look stuff up. Um, you are dependent on word of mouth on your scriptural teaching. And so if my wife is dependent, her whole spiritual life is dependent on what I teach her, that automatically makes me pay a whole lot more attention. Because I'm not just responsible for me. I'm responsible for her. Isn't that wild? Now, I think a lot of times in, in modern culture, people are like, well, you know what? She's strong enough. She can take care of herself. She can learn on her own. And all of a sudden, the men drop off and they don't become the spiritual leader. They, You can fend for yourself. You can teach yourself. And it seems like an honorable thing to empower you know, for a man to empower his wife to have her own spiritual journey and to learn on his own on her own. But it's also a way of me to advocate my responsibility. And I don't think that's what the scripture wants us to do. That's why um, a, a scripture I think about a lot is where it says an overseer. If an overseer has kids that are out of control, that he shouldn't be an overseer in the church. Because if he can't take care of his kids, how can he take care of a church? There's a structure and a hierarchy there. What what if what if church leaders were so responsible? Right. If if the pressure was put on, if I say my kid's gonna do whatever he wants and that's his own life, what have I just done? I just said I don't have to be responsible for it. No, I'm a dad, right? I'm responsible for it. I'm a husband. I'm responsible. It is important that I teach and lead and guide my wife in this. So with that structure set up, imagine in the middle of somebody preaching, all the men are sitting over here. All the women are sitting over here. A woman has a question. She stands up. Hey, Larry, what's he mean by that? That's going to be a little disruptive, right? Or if she has a question and she asks, the lady sitting next to her, that lady sitting next to her is going to stand up. Hey, Carl, Susie wants to know. And it's just going to be disruptive, right? That's what they're talking about. That that's why they're not going to speak in church because it's going to be disruptive. It is purely this whole thing is purely a God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. It's all about order in the church. What's he been talking about the whole first half of 1 Corinthians 14? Don't stand up and talk in tongues if nobody's going to know what you're saying. Because that's going to create disorder. If you're prophesying and another prophet has something to say, the first prophet should sit down and be quiet and the next one stands up and speaks. Why? So you only have one person talking at a time to keep order and disorder not order and disorder. Peace versus disorder. God is a God of peace. He wants peace, not disorder. Okay? Women should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but may be in submission as the law says. That whole submission deal, even the person speaking, the authority that they have as an overseer is an authority... Over the men in this structure and the authority over the men trickles down to the authority. Those men have authority over their wives. And I'm not talking boss hog tyrant authority. I'm talking about here's how we're going to teach. Here's how we're going to guide. This comes up in our house a whole lot because we're kind of weird and we're a little bit different. And spiritual questions come up from the things that the kids will hear. Um, you know, they'll go to a church thing. It's some church activity at, at different churches or they'll be around different church people and they'll hear something and they come back and they ask us and they'll ask Cindy and Cindy instructs the kids in the way that she knows I would instruct her. Because if all of a sudden in our house, it's not that it's bad that this other church does something this way or that way but it wouldn't fit in our house. It wouldn't make peace in our house. And God's not a God of disorder, but of peace. And so we might talk to the kids and we'll say, you know what? They do that this way. That's not how we do it. That's not a thing that we do, but here's how we do it. And here's why. And all the kids, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and all of a sudden we have peace. So, That's what all of those questions are are in the in the in light of that structure, in light of that hierarchy. Okay, so now let's go back to First Timothy. Paul is giving instructions to Timothy on how to instruct people in the church and people in the church where Timothy is are not coming from a culture like ours. They are coming from a pagan culture where there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the world, where it was completely okay, if not looked upon as righteous, to go hire a prostitute. I mean, that was a righteous act to go to this temple or that temple to sacrifice this thing, to eat meat, sacrifice to these gods. And so Paul's trying to say, look, look, church, here's how you're different. You're different in that you're not showing off how you're better than somebody else. By dressing really expensive. In really expensive clothes. Because that's how, that's how women. Then and today. Right? Were showing off how they were different than other people. How, showing off the hierarchy. Showing off a, a, an, an honor. You know. I don't have to live honorably. But if I drive down the street. in Like a Rolls Royce. People are going to look at me and be like. Wow look at that guy. Regardless of my life. And. Paul is saying, don't put on a bunch of outward things to look honorable. Be honorable with your deeds. Show your honor by your activities and your actions. And then the business of a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. He wouldn't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. This is really wild. Um, So there's churches that will read this and say no woman could ever preach. And it was uh, a scandal on Friday to some of the pastors that were there, that there was a woman there that was a pastor. And I used to struggle with this myself. And I was like, gosh, I mean, it says right there, a woman shouldn't teach. wouldn't, uh, shouldn't have authority over a man. And, um, and some real life people changed my mind on this. And so I have some friends and the man, the husband was an accountant and he was brilliant and he's a brilliant accountant. And his calling was to be an accountant. And he, didn't, he did his accounting with, with God's holiness and righteousness and peace. And his wife was a mom and a school teacher. And then her kids left home and they prayed. And they were like, what should we do? And she's like, I would like to really read the Bible a whole lot. And so she read the Bible a whole lot. And then husband and wife discuss, you know, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do with our time? She said, I would like to get a degree in the Bible. And he said, that would be awesome. And so she went to seminary, was a mom to college kids now, right? They're not at home. And she gets her doctorate degree in the Bible. And then they say, what should we do? And she's like, you know, so-and-so said I should have a radio show. And so she has a radio show. And it's like four minutes a day, two or three times a day on the radio. And she's reading the Bible and she's teaching. And a zillion people are listening to it and growing from it. Now, who is still in charge in their household? Bob was. She wasn't overpowering him. She wasn't, you know, she's teaching. And she's taking the time to be a teacher, to learn things, and to teach them. And it was really enriching, and it was really fruitful, and it was really beneficial to the kingdom of heaven. And I thought about this. Have authority. A woman will not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over men. At the same time, I'm learning about these guys' history. I've known them for a long time, but I'm learning about their history. There was a church in town where a woman got up and she said she had a prophecy and she prophesied that the pastor should be fired and that she should be put in charge. And the whole church got behind her and they fired the pastor and they ran him out and she became in charge. And every week she had all this stuff that the Lord was saying that they should do. And it really, um, it really messed up the church, you guys. And it was a really wild and crazy thing. I don't think either one of those are an example of why we should believe one thing or another. Okay. Because we don't go by our experiences. We want to go by the scripture. And so we weigh that and we look at it. You know what? There are times that people can have wrong teaching and take a whole church off course. There are other times that somebody can have really good teaching and be very fruitful. And I don't think we should judge those times just because it came from a man or a woman. I think we should judge it all in context. All, we, it takes all kinds of discernment. So who had authority? Who had authority in the Greek, Bob and Ann Grease? I don't know if you ever heard Aunt, Dr. Ann Grease on the radio. She doesn't do it anymore. Now she's retired. But um, Bob had the authority. He he had authority. He was teaching her and instructing her. And she was being very fruitful. Uh, That church with the prophet lady, I don't know who was in authority over there, but but she took it. Now this, this next section is really interesting. Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So in Genesis... Where we're going next? God created man, and elsewhere in uh, I think it's in four. Nope, it's in two. God created man and woman in His image. God created man and woman in His image but he made man first and he has Adam name all the animals and look. And he sees that there's no one. There's no one with him. So that's all in Genesis two, like in two eighteen, no two fifteen. the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. The Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God teaches Adam, right? There's only one law, one rule in the Garden of Eden, and it's don't eat that. He taught Adam. Then God said, I need to create somebody to help Adam. I'm going to do that. They didn't do it right away. The Lord formed out of the ground all the beasts. All the beasts come. And whatever Adam calls them, that's what they're called. Adam looks at all of them. And uh, every one of them was male and female. And Adam sees all of that. And says, but for Adam, there was no suitable helper found. And so Adam's like... Unlike all these creatures in creation, I'm the only one. Every one of these, there's at least two of each, but I'm the only one. And so God puts Adam to sleep, forms out of Adam's flesh, the woman. And then Adam is, uh, wakes up, comes out of anesthesia, however that worked, whatever that was. He says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman, for she was taken out of man. She is a part of me. She's so much a part of me that part of me went into making her. She's so much a part of me. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. They'll become one flesh. They were together and they felt no shame. They are so much a part of each other. Who was taught about the one rule in the garden? It wasn't Adam and Eve. It was just Adam. And do you see right here, God is already setting up this hierarchy of guys. You are responsible for this woman that's a part of you to teach her and to instruct her, to lead her. Chapter three, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Eve is talking to somebody else about spiritual things. And you guys, you know I'm not a law person, right? But this is setting up What Paul's teaching would be, what the rabbis would believe, is that when a wife goes and talks to somebody that's not her husband about spiritual things, bad things are going to happen. That would be their their mentality. I'm not saying that today. okay? but that's their their culture and their teaching, their ideas. And so she eats of it. She was deceived. She was led to believe something that wasn't true. She, um, she acted on her own thoughts rather than thinking God's thoughts. And all of that's terrible. Let's talk about Adam for a second. Adam was not deceived. Adam was told directly from God what to do and what not to do. And Adam deliberately made a decision to not follow God. So I'm doing driver's ed with Isaac. And uh, we, are, we hit the clover leaf at 41 in the Lloyd, like every day, right? Because he's driving out to USI. And I'm like, you got no contenders. You're wide open. And he's like, looking back, I'm like, don't look back. Use your mirrors. Keep your face forward. He's like, oh. And I'm telling Adam, I'm telling him, I'm telling him stuff, and just his sheer reflex, he can't help but look backwards and look forwards. It's it's not intentional. He's not intentionally looking the wrong way. He's not deliberately, I'm going to show you, Dad, and I'm going to drive like this. I, I knew a pastor, and he liked to look backwards and drive, and he would line up his car, with the, uh, with the lines on the road, and that's how he knew. And he said he knew when to stop from the looks of everybody in the back seat's face. <laughs> so Isaac is not doing that. That's deliberate. That is deliberate reckless driving, right? Adam saw God. God said to Adam, and there There was nothing there to distract Adam, right? There was no sin to distract him. And God said, don't eat this. Eve, totally distracted, right? There's animals everywhere. She's talking to Adam and trying to figure out how this whole thing works. There's the serpent that's there that's talking. I don't know. I don't understand that, but it's happening. And he's getting her into this mind game and getting her into this. Did God really say that? Well, she's like, well, I don't really know what God said. I wasn't there, but Adam told me this, but, and she, so she gets deceived and the man deliberately sinned. I think all of that transfers to today that there are ways that women get deceived and how does that deception come? It, It comes through through channels that are emotional, that are tender, that are, oh, but Oprah is so kind and so good, and Oprah does so many good things, and sucks out your soul, right? And then there are ways that men are like, I know that that's wrong. I'm just going to go do it. And, and from what I've seen in the people I know, this pattern still goes on. Um, the men might justify themselves. But the men that I know that have committed the big sins, they did it on purpose because they wanted to. And the women that I know that have committed really big sins and really messed some stuff up. They thought they were doing right or they thought that this was the best deal or they thought that they were helping that person out. So take all of that. So now we know what culture Paul is in, right? Paul is in a culture that's designed where the man is the is the only spiritual teaching channel, and uh, he's in a, in a he's in an architectural culture where all the women are sitting over here and all the men are sitting over here. And now let's read that again. They're not allowed to speak. Women should be remain silent in churches, be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. It's disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Uh, Oh, the other thing. Disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. So if everybody, if, if the thinking is that the man is the exclusive channel for spiritual teaching in church, right? And the woman stands up and says, you know, why was Moses in a fight with the apostle Paul? Moses and Paul weren't alive anywhere near each other, right? So now that lady just said this humdinger of a wrong, messed up thing. And whose fault is it? It's not hers. It's her husband's. What in the world is your husband teaching you that Moses and Paul were alive at the same time? They're like 2,000 years apart from each other. That's the other dishonor. That's the other order thing, right? Um, This is going to dishonor. It'll dishonor their house if she asked a stupid question. All right. Ask, talk about it at home. The, the emphasis is on every man, also just pressure on the men. Every man had to write out the law in his own hand. If you had a Bible at home, it was because you copied it out yourself. So that would be a big deal on you guys. Did the word of God originate with you or are you the, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Be in submission. The law says if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. It's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Yes, that's what all of that is in the context of architecture and what their system was. But I don't want to preach a whole. Oh, my gosh, I almost have. I don't want to preach a whole sermon on that little bit because it's in context. So now go down to verse 36. Did the word of God originate with you? Are you the only people it has reached? If anybody thinks he's a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. That is strong language, right? Listen to this. If you ignore this, just know that I speak from God is what Paul is saying. He's speaking from God, not the law, that women aren't allowed to speak in church, not the law that women, you can't have women pastors, not, not some law of what we read over here in 2 Timothy of who's the sinner and who got deceived. The law is over all of 14. Guys, spiritual gifts, all the structure in the church is for peace and not disorder. So don't, we, we can't stand on that. And think that that, oh, if you disagree, the women can't preach in church, then you're not Christian, right? No, it's if you disagree that we should, the Holy Spirit is given for the building up of the body. That the order, there should be order in our church when we come together. God is a God of peace and not disorder. That is all of that. And we know that because the very next thing he says, therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So as Paul sums up this whole thing that he's been talking about, do you notice how he harps on again that women shouldn't speak in church? No, he doesn't even mention that. (laughs) Isn't that? So as he's wrapping it up, this whole section hasn't been about gender, it hasn't been about family structure. It's been about everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. It's just about it's just about peace. It's just about you can't have people talking in church over each other, trying to discuss stuff and taking everybody off course. That's all it's about. We gotta reinforce this. Okay. Mary and Martha. They're at, Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha. He's, it's important that home, somebody would have been in charge there. It would have been Lazarus. And John, when he tells that story about Jesus, he says, Jesus was at the home of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. He doesn't say he was at the home of Lazarus. Who's the boss and the spiritual head and rules over everything. No, it was important to John to emphasize that that house was the house of Lazarus, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Martha is worried about getting all the food ready and preparing for all these people because there's a crowd. And Mary has chosen deliberately. Oh, she wasn't deceived. She deliberately chose to sit at Jesus's feet. And Martha is mad. This would have been culturally weird. Culturally speaking, remember I said the men are the channel for the wife to hear about spiritual things. And here's a lady sitting there. We know that Mary wasn't married. So there's not that that one cultural barrier wouldn't be there. Of Like, why isn't she sitting with her husband? Her husband should be listening to this. She went to Jesus directly, which is pretty awesome. When questioned about it, Jesus said she has chosen the most important thing there is. The word that he uses, if there's a job opening and there's a job requirement and they said, you must know this, that one thing that's the most important thing that you need to know to get that job, that's the word that Jesus uses when he says she chose the most important thing. And it won't be taken from her. We're not going to All of a sudden, Jesus is saying the most important thing for Mary to choose is to listen to Jesus and to sit there at his feet. Whoa. What about Lydia? Let's talk about Lydia. The Apostle Paul is on a missionary journey and he's like, we need to find some Jews to tell them that the thing that they believed in, the Messiah they've been hoping for, has come. And so they go to where there's running water because the Jews will all be doing their ceremonial cleansing, right? So they needed running water and there's Lydia. Lydia is a super rich purple linen dealer. No mention of her husband. Nothing bad said about her being a super rich and super successful purple dealer. However, she did that, she did it well. And she's got a whole bunch of money, and they tell her, and she believes in the Messiah. In that whole interaction, there would have been men there. There were men that came to believe. None of them are called by name. How about that? So, any idea that we would take out of these scriptures that women aren't important? Lydia is stuck in the middle and you have to deal with Lydia because she is so important. She's so important that she's the only one out of the whole crowd of people that got saved that is named. And then she travels with Paul and she comes up in other places in the book of Acts. And there's another place where it kind of sounds like she's funding everybody and she's paying for some of the stuff that they need. So now who's the boss? Who's in charge? Well, Paul is still in charge. But man, they needed Lydia. Lydia is super important. Okay, but wait. Earlier on in 1 Corinthians, it talked about women prophesying. So if women are prophesying, and that's okay by Paul, then women are speaking in church, and there's some authority questions there, right? Because if a prophet speaks... I want to listen to what the prophet says, but I'm going to discern it. And I'm going to filter it. I'm going to make sure it's the Lord, whether it's a man or a woman. You remember Philip? Philip goes. The Lord says, go out on the road that leads to this road and walk along the road. He runs into the Ethiopian. The, the, the Ethiopian is reading Isaiah. He tells the Ethiopian about the Lord. The, Lord, uh, the Ethiopian believes. He says, I should be baptized right here. He baptizes the Ethiopian, and then it says Philip was taken up and disappeared. Philip shows up in another town that's about the distance from Evansville to Boonville, is where Philip shows up, and he stays in that town as an apostle, witnessing to people. He is married, but we don't know if his wife tracked him down (laughs) over there or if he met his wife there in town. we haven't had to have that kind of a story before. I just disappeared and showed up in Boonville. I don't know how that worked out, but it says in Acts that he had four daughters that were all prophets. Now, how would anybody know if Philip's daughters were prophets if they didn't listen to them and hear them prophesy? So, yes, God is a God of peace and not disorder. So don't bring up big discussions in church. Talk about it when you go home and establish it and know for the peace in your house. There's a a structure set up of who that teaching comes from. But Lydia was awesome. Mary went directly to the Lord and sat at his feet And learn from him. And as far as we know, everything that Mary did in the rest of the scripture that we have written, she did on her own. Right. She didn't she didn't have a a husband to tell her what to do or to be her head. But she got the first Jesus hug on Easter morning. Wow. She went directly to him. And that was awesome. And then we have Philip's four daughters that are all prophets. What kind of house would that have been like? I have four daughters. They're all prophets. (laughs) All of that. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy. Be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Pretty wild. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Why is it done in a fitting and orderly way? Because you are not your own. You are bought. Honor God. Build up the church. What is the point of all spiritual gifts? To build up the church. What is the point of all of us coming together and being a church? Is to build one another up and encourage one another. And draw near to God. So, yes. Um. It's, it's so crazy, you guys. There's so many ways that we can read the scripture and take one sentence and make a whole bunch of laws about it. We love laws, just human nature. We love to have a whole bunch of rules to follow. We, we love to have a whole bunch of laws. And um, Jesus rules over all of that. And he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And to say to fulfill the law isn't to fulfill the 613 laws of all the things that we should do. Um, it's to complete it and make it make it filled all the way up so nothing else can be added and it's done away with and so now we live for Christ we live in union with him and we don't it, it's a lot sloppier than just how easy it would be to not let any woman ever speak in church and not let a woman rule over a man oh she's ruined get her out of here but Um, in places like Central Asia where half the men have been killed off by civil war and the other half of the men all go off to Russia to work. There's only women left. The church is being built by women. Um, There's a recent news story. The church in Iran is being built by women. And it's being built by Lydia's. It's being built by daughters of Philip. It's being built by... Mary, sister of Martha and Lazarus, because God um, says it elsewhere. He He doesn't discern. He doesn't separate men and women, Scythian slave or barbarian, uh, Jew or Gentile. He He works through all of us. All right, let's pray. Lord, build Your church. We praise You and we honor You and we glorify You, Lord. We thank you so much that uh, you have freed us from a law that is all about sin and death and uh, doing right or getting having the earth open up and that you yourself, Jesus, took the wrath of God upon yourself for us. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead and you sent your Holy Spirit to teach us all things. And I pray that Just this week, as we honor one another, and as we honor you, as we give glory to your name, that you would help us to create a church that is full of peace and not disorder. That you'd help us to create workplaces and homes that are full of your peace and not disorder. And that you would even help us to make a culture, a culture of Christian people, that is a culture of peace and not disorder disorder. We praise your name, Lord. Amen.